a new face And she's still feeling me I think my chainsaw's sexy It really turns me on She's never stalling on me While I'm killing them all How's it? going everybody we're excited for you to show up this is not the intro i thought of earlier today but i'm doing it anyways because it's lunchbox's way Didi, if you didn't know i'm lunchbox how you doing everybody i wish we could get a musical intro every week oh by the way i'm meg (laughs) um welcome back to creeping it real we got another episode for all you just amazing people. We're, we're glad you're here. Awesome. Yeah, no, for sure. <laughs> Not sure where the, I'm a little thrown because I wasn't expecting it to take that hard left turn into Musicalville. So I'm trying to get my bearings together so I can keep this thing going. That shit came off the top of my dome. Like, it was just, the melon just seeped out. All the juices just that came up flowing. The original intro I had planned was nowhere that near, it, huh? not even close. I'll probably like splice in some of the stuff I have in later in for, you know, comical effect. But mm. yeah, so you got show tunes lunchbox here. Yay, <laughs> I bet everyone's pumped. Yeah, but welcome back everybody. If you're uh, brand new to the show, uh, please, please just buckle please, in. Yeah, just hang in there. Yeah. I, I swear he's not like this. The entire episode. Yeah, we just want everyone to get comfy, put on your britches. No, take off your britches. Well, like get your comfy britches on. I mean, if you want, if you want to listen to us in the nude, that's on you. I mean, it doesn't have to be in the nude, just not real pants. Cause I'm free, free balling. Anyway, okay. So <laughs> join us on social media: Facebook, Instagram, and Slasher at Creepin' It Real. R E E L is a movie real. Um, we also have merch, so hit up creepinitreal.redbubble.com or click the link in the Instagram bio, um, to get on the merch train. Choo-choo. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so we, before we get into our episode, we are still looking for takers. Uh, for the month of November, we are doing what Lunchbox has affectionately dubbed the dumpster fire it's month? it's yeah it's pretty much just a dumpster fire so what we're doing is the movies that we hate the most uh we're just going to cover those and rip that band-aid off so we don't have to worry about them coming down the pike later but we have a problem because neither of us really hates movies um we've done a couple that we really very badly don't like already in the schedule um but we're stumped so if you have a movie that you really dislike, um, or a movie that makes you question your own existence, or makes you wonder how you're going to get that 90 minutes of your life back, email us at creepinitreal.cm at gmail.com and tell us what that movie is because we have three slots uh, for the month of November to fill. We have yeah. two movies planned already. We need three more to fill out the schedule. Um, that's the downside of going, let's do the movies that we don't like to not have to worry about them later, and then we don't have those movies. Uh, FYI, or, you know, just to make sure that we put this out here, we're all friends. 
We're not here for uh, negative bashing. It's that we just want to know because everyone has their own taste on what the worst movie is or what is. And mind been, you, you know, I'm gonna. I'm also gonna put in a disclaimer here. Now, mind you, we're not gonna do movies like a Serbian film or uh, anything along those lines. Neither of us is particularly into ultra violence or. Um, shock for the sake of shock value so if the worst movie you've ever seen is in that particular category um we'll probably just throw that out yeah. in the bin so you keep that in mind however if it's a movie along the lines of say freddy's dead the final nightmare uh those we will consider because yeah. they suck and it's not so bad it's good either um not one of those that you love because it's just so silly and terrible it's one that you legitimately watched and went Fuck my life. Why? There there was a couple that we've already gotten on. Oh, I uh, just had one jump into my head. We should probably write that down. Okay, cool. Um, just note it down. But uh, no, we uh, we got a couple of uh, options already on uh, through Instagram and Facebook. And they're, pre- they're pretty high contenders. So, I mean, that's the thing, too, is that if we get a lot of the same movie in the list, like we're going to have to – it's going to go right up to the top. Um, the one thing too is that, I mean, I also like having that community feel where it's like, let's talk about this stuff because there's some movies that I've never even heard of or even bothered to see. And it turned out where, Oh, I made the right choice. Then this is that going on that list. But that's the thing is like, we're, you know, go nuts, but be nice. Like we're all, we're all friends. We don't need a a negative bashing here. Considering what we've already got on the schedule, I can't wait to see you squirm. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's. I don't know why I wanted to do this for Thanksgiving. Maybe because, you know, I'm gonna be just so full of just turkey and stuffing that I'm not You'll gonna so, give two shits. Yeah, you're gonna be. Well, no, you might give more than two shits, but the <laughs> fact of the matter is, is you'll be full and happy. Yeah, and probably a little like blissed out on tryptophan. So yeah. you're probably not gonna care as much when we watch Jaws: Revenge or something. Ugh. But that's the thing is, yes. This is going to be fun because I don't see a whole lot on here where people are... I mean, like I've seen reviews for movies like this, but this is the stuff where I want to just kind of just get some of the stuff out of the way. And if it does really well and it becomes a lot of fun and there's a lot more suggestions, maybe we'll go for round two for Dumpster Fire, the second coming of... Blech. The second coming. Yeah, so uh, with that... Just hit us up on either social media or on email, and you'll get a shout-out if we choose your movie. Um, and if we have multiple requests for the same film, then I guess we know which ones we're going to put up. Yep. So, hooray for that. Anywho, this week, uh, in the Remake Palooza category, we did the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Mm-hmm. Um, 2003. The Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake was done by Platinum Dunes, so it's got that Michael Bay stink all over it. It dropped on October 17th, 2003. It was made for a budget of about $9.5 million. It ended up grossing $107 million worldwide. Um, so this movie made some money. Uh, it was written by Kim Hinkle and Toby Hooper based off of the original 74 screenplay. Um, it also starred... Uh, I'm sorry, starred, yeah. It was this version was written by Scott Kozar and directed by Marcus Nispel, who also directed the Friday the Thirteenth remake six years later, which um, we'll get to eventually. However, that is also one that I actually particularly enjoy. I'm on team yay team Jason remake. 
the movie stars Jessica Biel as Aaron, Jonathan Tucker as Morgan, Erica Learson as Pepper, Mike Vogel as Andy, Eric Balfour as Kemper, and Andrew Benarski as Thomas Hewitt, a.k.a. Leatherface, and most notably, probably in the best role I think I've ever seen him in, was Arlie Ermey as the sheriff. Um, this one also had a very small, for Lucifer fans out there, this had a very small part, was played by Lauren German. Um, she was the hitchhiker at the beginning of the movie. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I didn't even recognize her with the short hair. Yep. So. And uh, also on top of that, she, uh, when we are going through the casting, she was going to, uh, or she went out for the part of Aaron, mm-hmm. and they ended up giving it to... To Jessica Biel. Jessica. Well, because at the time... She was, I think Seventh Heaven was wrapping up. She'd already been doing some of, like, the men's mags. Like, I think she'd done cover of, like, Maxim at that it's point. Jessica Biel. Come on. No, no, no. I, I mean, whoa. Yeah, come on. Fucking look at her. Um, but Jessica Biel was riding high at that point. So, yeah, you put her in your fucking movie. Yeah. Um, I remember Eric Balfour from, he was the first couple of episodes of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I think he was in, like, the first two yep. or three episodes of season one. Um, the poor fucker, he was uh, Xander's best friend. He got abducted by vamps, turned, and then it's, like, one episode he was Xander's best friend, disappeared. Second episode, we find out he's a vampire. Third episode, he's dusted. That's the end of Eric Balfour. <laughs> yeah, I, I actually, I I kind of wish uh, through Buffy he would have lasted a whole lot longer. He's, I think he, I think he get, there's potential for him. Uh, probably not a whole lot longer, just because he and Xander were enough alike that it would have been too much of the same character. No, but I, it would have given me a lot of the same kind of feelings as Evil Ed and Charlie. Like, it's just that, that buddy aspect of it, where it's, now Xander's got to deal with his friend being a vampire and having to go through all that. Yeah. It, it, it was very quick, and it, again, it was just to get Buffy set up into the season. And, and again, Buffy was... Awesome. Buffy's Buffy. But, I mean, it's at the same time, I, I like him, and so I thought it, it could have been good. Yeah. Um, one person that we did not mention that I feel that we really need to kind of give a, hey, how you doing, type of thing, is Gunner. The original man who played, wait, what? Gunner Hansen? My, my brain just shut off, like, for like two seconds, and I said some dumb shit. You said some really dumb shit, because I don't think Gunner <laughs> Hansen was in this movie. He, Gunner... He played Leatherface. Yeah. He's the truck driver at the end. Okay. Yes. Gunner is in the movie as himself. And I heard there was a lot of friction between him and Andrew Benarski. Yep. Um, because it, it, like, it started off cordial enough, and then Gunner Hansen started picking fights. Yeah. And making fun of his performance as Leatherface. So, like... It got real salty, and then the, when Hansen died, was it 2015, I guess, Benarski just posted on Twitter, boo-hoo. I was like, woof, yeah, yeah, that it is cold-blooded. They, they, had some, they had some heat. I I got cliff note versions of what that was, but even, even the stuff with like Gunner like, criticizing the way that he played this Leatherface, I'm like, there really wasn't much except for him just running around with a chainsaw, as he should, and looking really terrifying as he should and then <laughs> going through he didn't do any type of weird acting or no just, he played a, he played a bulldozer yeah it's just boom there it is Which like he how, should be playing yeah there's nothing more that you, should, you, you need to do yeah um one of a couple of my favorite roles of his 
I loved him as Zangief in Street Fighter movie. As dog shit as that movie is. Oh my god. It's so good. He was also Chip in Batman Returns. There it is. Or uh, as you quote it, Batman the Christmas movie. Hey, hey. <sighs> oh, Don't get, get it started. Our son thinks it's the same thing. Because you give it to him. Uh-huh. No, he likes it. He calls it the Batman Christmas movie, too. And then he also, if you guys have ever seen Dracula's Guest, don't. Oh, God. Don't. However, he has played Dracula in the past, too. But yeah. don't. Don't seek it out. If you've seen it, you know. If you haven't, don't worry about it. Um. So, yeah, he's, he's a big buff stunt guy, bodybuilder, whatever, and he was cast to play Leatherface. Um, I guess Hansen was approached, but there was a scheduling problem, and he really wasn't able to come in as like, a full-time actor, so they found somebody else. This is another case of... Um, and we're going to probably be doing a lot of comparing of the two films, too. But also, if you haven't yet, uh, go back and listen to our Texas Chainsaw Massacre episode. We did it last year, last July, I think we did, 2020. So we already have an episode for that one. Um, anyway, so there's... This is another one where it raises the question, does this remake justify its existence? Uh, so I think we're going to start with our answers on that and then kind of work backwards. So do I think that the Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2003 justifies its existence? Yes, it does. Hmm. I have notes. Answer the question first, <laughs> dummy! <laughs> Just kidding. Of course it does. I fully think that this movie holds on its own while giving the proper respect to the original on top of letting the original be that movie. Right. There's enough differences and changes and movie beats um, to make the movie look to be different and it stands alone as its own thing. Is it as important to the genre as Toby Hooper's movie? No. Does it still stand alone as a really good film? Yes, it does. Yep. It also has the same cinematographer, director of photography, whatever you want to call him. Um, he as also does a lot of his... Oh, like, he kind of recreates some of the shots that... Yeah, he does, yeah. but they're f he's mo he modernized them for the early 2000s. Yes. So, there, this was the first film I'm that... I'm sorry, Jessica Biel's bum. Like, that's <laughs> it's just the butt shot. <sighs> I need a minute. So while you marinate that, I'm going to go ahead and finish my thought. Gotcha. So this was the first high-profile movie remake. Up until this point, we had gotten, like, The House on Haunted Hill or 13 Ghosts or, like, some of those, um, the smaller, like, Roger Corman or William Castle type of remake. Just ones that a lot of people didn't really, like, in the case of 13 Ghosts, for me, for example, I didn't know it was a remake. I wasn't aware of it at the time. Oh, really? It came out. I know yeah. now, obviously, but when it came out, what was it, 1999 or 2000, mm -hmm. I had no fucking idea because I was 14 years old. Um, but this was probably the first high-profile remake of uh, a past horror film because the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Toby Hooper's movie, was it was held in such high regard. It was a real groundbreaker for what it was. It had a little bit grindhouse... It was a little bit satirical. Um, it was dirty. It was gritty. It was grimy. Even though it took place all at night, um, you were toying with the the cannibalism and the inbreeding, and a lot of that was very like subtle 
things. Um, what Marcus Nispel and crew did for the 2003 version was really like lean in heavy on the dark and the gritty and the dirty. And it didn't look as hot and sweaty as the 74 version did. Um, excuse me? The, they still look like they were a, a big old bunch of goats walking through a chili pepper patch. It was hot as shit. It looked uncomfortable. It didn't, but it didn't make me feel hot. Watching the 74 version, I was sweating just watching because everything about it was, it was brightly lit. It was hot, hot, hot. The, this was darker. It was darker in tone. It was darker in coloring. Um, it also, a lot of people point to Saw and Hostel and stuff as kicking off that, the torture porn thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually think that this movie is one that you can point to, to that George Bush era nihilism where it's leaning into the gore and it's extra, um, it's just messier than I think the film, the, the horror films that came before it because they were still sort of following more of that teen friendly scream template than what was to come. Um, you know, post 9-11, everyone's not exactly optimistic about the future. Um, we saw horror take a really dark, dirty, gory turn. Um, and I I could probably point to this movie as being the, the, the lead-off for that. Um, I can't think of one before it that really was... There was a lot of movies that did come before this that were... But it... But Not, in terms of being high profile, though? Exactly. High, that's what I'm saying. Like, it, it was kind of like the big trickle up, and then with Platinum Dunes. Like, that's the one where it was, because it was a big production company. And, and, and uh, side note, I'm going to stop that thought real quick. The Platinum Dunes thing, I can't tell you how many people I hear bitch and moan about Platinum Dunes. Me personally, don't give a shit. It doesn't affect the movie. Here's, I don't here's see the, that, that, that premise. I don't know the why. Thing. Here's the thing, though. It's because of movies like Nightmare on Elm Street. Those sorts of things. Um, here and, and mostly it was supposed to be the horror arm of Michael Bay's production company, but it ended up just being like the remake arm of Michael Bay's production company. However, you can see the Michael Bay touch in this movie, even though he was just a producer on it, um, because of how Jessica Beale was treated. Michael Bay is all about the eye candy. Well, yes. I mean, I there are aspects of that. And again, Jessica Beale. Come on. Like, I mean, I, look, I, man, to- I totally get that. Look, man, I'm straight. And even I would be like, you know, yeah. I might, but I might. Uh, yeah, no, there's not a but. It's a, it's a yeah, let's go. Yeah, yeah. And, but that's the thing is, I feel that so many people, like, anytime, like, the... Uh, and like I said, this is a lot of the, you know, my friends and just people that I've, I've come in contact with online and things like that, where it's just like, oh, platinum dudes, boo. It's just like because of Michael Bay. But it's not, but at the time it wasn't an issue. It was like post Transformers and a lot of stuff that came out with Megan Fox. It was sort of retconned as being shitty. Um, but at, in 2003, nobody really knew or cared. Yeah, but then like when you got the and I think one of the the comments I got was uh, was actually from our my buddy Brock. Uh, we went and saw the Friday Thirteenth remake. Yeah, and there was the same thing where he was like, "Oh, it's Platinum Dunes. Oh, they're just gonna." 
and he, gonna he, fuck he, it up like, he, like he gave like one of those kind of comments I don't oh, remember sure. exactly what he said but it, he made a it was just a comment about that and I was just like but that just means that they have money to do things with and it's like it, if you do a movie right and you can do that it's like the production company is not gonna it's not necessarily gonna matter it's just like Disney it's like how many times have we heard like once Disney took the over Marvel Empire. yeah once Disney took over Marvel and they're just like oh my god they're just gonna mess stuff up or it's gonna be too family friendly and then turn around and they're like well no we're gonna keep Deadpool rated R and we're still gonna and it's like now Deadpool has Disney money to play with on top of them owning you know all these other franchises and it's like so now we could get X-Men and you know Avenger like so it's like you could start mix matching like they have that opportunity because they have Disney money and that's that's where I could see the potential it's just the writers and how they there's ways to do it right and oh, that's sure. and that's the stuff worth like with Platinum Dunes yeah the Transformer movies uh, you could definitely see there's problems as they started going along this was pre-Transformers um, too but that's why yeah. I'm saying like at the time nobody knew or cared that was a retcon thinking process because yeah. afterwards you go because after Transformers and all the shit that came out with like Megan Fox and all that stuff, it was you look back at it and go, "Oh, Michael Bay touched the Texas Chainsaw Massacre." Oh God, like yeah. that's what some people did. And and that's and that's the problem that I or, that I see and that I don't agree with. And it's just the, it's yes, I get the whole sexualizing for the super hot girl and and how movies tend to do that to get the young boys in. I am proof of that. And then <laughs> that's the thing is like it it just happens. But I mean, it's you got blood and violence and horror and sexy girls. I mean, back in the seventies, yeah, that was a grindhouse thing. The, but the thing is, know. is is in this movie, Jessica Biel fucking killed it. She she, did. she screamed herself hoarse filming this movie. Like you can hear her by the end of the movie. Her voice is not there. Yeah, like she rocked her body and her throat to make this movie happen so she was all in on doing it and she was cold and she was wet and she was tired and she was running around and she was dirty and like she did like her wardrobe though she actually mentions that where she's I, jeans I should, and a tank top. she's like this is the best wardrobe i've ever had in my life <laughs> it's like let's go yeah so. like what are you what are you complain about <laughs> so the first time i saw this movie i think it was the following year after it came out it was probably 2004 sometime. My boyfriend at the time um, worked at FYE, and he picked it up. Um, this is the before times when FYE still sold movies and music. Um, so he picked that up and brought it home and was like, hey, let's watch this movie. And I was like, okay, that's fine. Like, I don't even think I had seen the Toby Hooper movie yet at that really? point. It took me – I'm late to the horror game, man. I didn't start getting into it until probably <laughs> – probably around this time like it was because of my my boyfriend at the time then that I started getting into horror movies because he was really into Halloween and a bunch of other stuff so anyway so we're putting this movie he puts the movie on it's dark sitting there watching it the movie's dark it's like lit very dark um and I'm like wrapped I'm just into it I'm getting into the tension I'm getting into um everything every little like bump and noise and creak and, and everything that's going on um and like it's getting towards the climax of the movie i think i want to say it's probably the last 20 minutes or so that asshole 
jump, comes up behind me because I'm not paying attention to anything else around me. I'm so into this movie and I'm so on edge watching it. He comes up behind me and he like grabs me and makes a noise. I'm screaming my head off because he took advantage of the fact that I was like mesmerized and by that, this movie. That doesn't happen a lot. I mean, we've been no, together no, 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 for a lot, a lot of years and I've never been able to do that. To no, no, no. You. you have him to thank for that. Yeah. He broke me. Uh, it's also, he's also the reason why I'm not ticklish either. Um, but that's something else. Anyway, so, uh, that was, um, the first time I had seen that movie and, but I was freaked out and it did scare me at the time, but I loved it. I really thought it was well done. So much so, in fact, that when I went back and watched the seven, the Toby Hooper film, I wasn't into it as much because it was much more lower key. It was much tamer. Which a lot of people, it sounds weird to describe the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, but if you put these two movies together, that's what you get. You get Toby Hooper's movie is a lot tamer. And it's because they cut away before you see a ton of the, of the blood. And because there's a little bit more humor in some of it. I mean, the, the whole thing with the hitchhiker and the head cheese story. Like, he's really head cheese. Like, how is that not funny? Um... Little shit like that. And then they, you know, they intersperse it with the creepy and the family's really fucking weird. Um, that sausage party. Both literally and because it's all men. There's not a woman to be seen. Um, but if you go back and listen to that episode, I did have a few issues with it. Um, it but in terms of this one, uh, I have, I still have a couple of issues, but honestly, it's nitpicky. Yeah. And I don't, so it's not even really worth bringing up. Um, no, I think they are. I mean, it's just it's because some of the stuff that could be nitpicky are those options where some of the, the people that may be like, oh man, that gave us complete shit that they did it this way. Maybe yeah, like, oh, you know what? Okay. Like maybe that's not not too terrible. There's there's a few nitpicky things involved here that um, I noticed when I rewatched this last night that that were there and. Um, Probably, like, I'm trying to think of the best way to word this. Because, like, we can go positive, negative, positive, whatever. But anyway, I'm just, anyway, one of the things that really bothered me was Aaron. At the beginning of the movie. Agreed. That first half of the movie, every, and I get it. You have to make your horror victims stupid. Fine. But it's hard to go back and rewatch this when you've seen, now we flash forward 18 years. Wow, that feels weird to say. It's 18 years old. <laughs> yeah. It's been 18 years since I've graduated high school. I was a junior when when this came out. Yeah, I had already graduated. Uh, cool. So anyway, um, it's, it's really hard to go back because now I've seen that stupid horror character trope so many times that the cliche is almost painful to watch. And... Uh, she was really, really annoying. Like, the whole reason they got into this was because of every decision that Aaron made and her strong-arming um, Kemper and her trying to, like, guilt-trip her friends into making this feel bad. Like, I see the picking up the hitchhiker thing, but when they're like, let's just dump the body and fucking go, and she's trying to, like, guilt them into being like, well, she's a family and all this other stuff. It's like, nah, man. It's, it's the same thing, like, the walking dead and she was dale she's dale like that's the same exact thing where but she was dale and then she turned into shane so she did have a character arc there she did 
because she saw what was actually going on. Yeah. Where it's just the whole, I see the humanity. It's like, this was a person. We can't do the things that you, that you need to do because of this. And it's just, it's just that kind of mentality. And, and that's what ends up getting all of her friends killed. Yeah. So, and it's, <laughs> it is very frustrating. And I agree with that. Uh, at the same time, I see that though. I, I can see her side where it's just like, all we need to do is we need to get to, she's thinking that they're going to get to somebody official and it's going to be. Sure. And how's she going to know any different? She's no. not going to be like, well, this town could be, have, this town could have a psycho sheriff that's just going to torture us and kill us. Like you can't, you, you kind of can't see that shit coming. Yeah. So, I mean, that, that was something where if, if she, I think if she would have known that it was going to be that hard to get rid of, I mean, literally Kemper and Morgan and, and yeah, everybody, they just dumped the body out where they found it. Wouldn't have made a difference because there's nobody else in that town except for the Hewitts. Yeah, which was another change that was made. We what was it Texas Chainsaw Two? They were established as the Sawyers, and then yeah. I think to sort of put a little bit of distance between this film and. Uh, 74, they changed the name of the family. It's kind of unnecessary, but okay. Um, in a weird way, I'm actually okay with it's it. It's a different family, though. Yeah. It's very different. You don't have Drayton, and you don't have the, the hitchhiker, and you don't have... Um, it's a very different family. To talk, to talk about that, since we're already on it, that was one of the changes in this film that I was 100% okay with. And that's very weird, because when I... I remember going into the theater, and when they mentioned the Hewitt... Like and then in the opening shot where it's like oh we're in the Hewitt house and it's like wait they were Sawyers like Who? what like yeah I was like <laughs> whose house who's ho- like so did like Leatherface go into somebody else's house like and then I was like oh these they changed the whole thing and then as I'm watching it with the hitchhiker the the girl at the beginning I was just like okay that's that's cool and then all of a sudden the amazing shot that I want to talk about later. I know I always do that all the time, but it's just like that that whole scene where I'm like, oh, we didn't get the weird, goofy guy, and then we got somebody else, and then all of a sudden turn around. Now we have the sheriff who turns out that he's a part of the family, and then we have the grandmother who's running the barbecue joint, and then we got the hillbillies in the trailer, and then we have – like so there's so many different little components that were completely changed from – just the dad, the hitchhiker, yeah. Leatherface, and, and then Grandpa. And they were all useful elements to the story, though. Like Huge. The, every single one of them. There was, um, yeah, there was the, the hitchhiker girl at the beginning, which was completely changed. Because she was a victim of the Hewitt family that had escaped. And, yeah, she smuggled it out with a gun in her vagina. But um, she was a victim instead of being a member of the family. And then the when they arrive at the barbecue place, like they're like, we need to use your phone. We got to call the cops. We have this girl like kill herself in our van. And also, um, just as like a little uh, warning, if you guys are squeamish about suicide, I'm sorry, I should have prefaced it beforehand. But if you're squeamish about suicide, that that that's kind of the catalyst of the whole movie is somebody shooting themselves in the head. So the. The woman in the barbecue joint, I think, recognized the girl. Yeah. And that's why she was like, okay. And that's that's how everything got kicked off because she recognized the girl in the back of the van. And now everybody in there 
was implicated as new victims because they just happened to pick this girl up. Now, if they didn't pick her up and still pulled over into the little barbecue joint, would they have been left alone? That's my question. It's like, would they have gotten got anyway, whether there was a hitchhiker or not? Probably. Yeah. I, I think so. It was more, be- as you just said, the, the old lady just well, recognizing. They- and then because Kemper and, and Morgan were giving her a bunch of lip, and it was kind of like, well, because later on in the movie when uh, Aaron gets locked, or, you know, she gets trapped into the house, into the Hewitt house, uh, that woman is very nasty. Yeah. And and then like uh, uh, Jebediah, he uh, is the little boy that we'll we'll talk about here because he was another add-on was to the family. Mommy. He was, but when he was like, he's like, Grandma, Grandma, I need to come in. Like, and she's like, You stay out there with the dogs. And like, and this kid was just dirty and just he his clothes were just literally probably whatever he found in the trash. He was a rat. He was a raccoon. Like it was just he lived out in this barn on this dirty mat and he wasn't allowed into the house and it was very very cruel and so this woman when morgan and kemper are giving her shit in the barbecue joint because granted someone just shot themselves in front of them and so every all their emotions are heightened up and she just like what you do with your business is your business like such a southern thing to say <laughs> but it's just which is really it's a southern thing to say but not a southern thing to do because no. y'all are fucking busybodies down here yeah uh everyone's and everyone's shit yeah uh yeah so the, everyone's in on it i do kind of like the family expansion i do like that they introduced women into the family um it makes it actually it was more predominantly women at this point the only men were leatherface and um Sheriff, the sheriff. Yeah. Those are um, the only, only men, I think. Oh, and Jedediah, the, yeah. the, the boy. I right. like that they changed over, like, so yeah, like the entire family is completely out, uh, where you have Mama, old, the old lady in the barbecue joint, then you have Papa, who is the old man with the, he's the amputee, which... But he's, his, he was useful because he was the one who was holding up Aaron... Um, in the house yep. while the sheriff was shaking down everybody else. Kemper was the wild card in that scene, though, because they didn't expect him to come off the porch and come inside. Yeah. Well, uh, Leatherface took care of him. Yeah, he dispatched fine. him pretty But uh, I love the, the old, the, the amputee, uh, just because he brought in Aaron and, like, held her up, as you said. But it's, like, because he was, like, I fell off the toilet, helped me up. And, uh, and, and then there was, like... The, yeah, then there was Gross. the whole yeah, then there was the whole scene where um who was the other guy? Um it was Andy. Uh Andy was they were like, "Oh, well, Kemper's in the house." They like they know that Kemper's there cuz he's not around the barn. This is the only place well, that he, he walked to be. up with they knew he walked up with Aaron. Yeah. And so that was the thing it was like Aaron and Andy went back to the the house to go talk to the old man and that was where you get the cinematographer's like great ass shot where it's the and they did the same thing in the original and that's what he wanted to get that feel for which is it nailed it awesome but boy uh, did he it did so but that was the thing was once they got there andy was able to go into the house 
And when the old man realized that, oh, there's somebody else in my in my house, like what's going on? And then he's like, come on, boy, come on, you're gonna get fucked up. And he's like, and he started getting again nasty, but he was hitting his cane on the floor, calling Leatherface. Yeah. And that was some, and then that whole scene where Leatherface slides open the 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 metal slider, cranks up that thing. I was like, shit's happening. Here's it's so good. Here's the. Probably the best part of the movie that nobody talks about. This movie was actually a massacre with a chainsaw. Thank you. Thank you. I Toby, was going to mention that. Toby Hooper called it the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, but there wasn't really... I mean, the, the chainsaw just came in at the end. Yeah. This Lis- movie... Yeah, listen to our episode from Texas Chainsaw Massacre to get our like that full thing. But right. yes, there's barely any chainsaw kills, and to have a massacre you have to have multiple kills with said chainsaw right and they did in this one yes there was um morgan was basically sawed up the groin um the what was his name andy andy's leg was cut real bad with it leatherface cut off his own fucking arm and then he cut his leg with it so like there was a lot of blood drawn with this chainsaw throughout the movie that I think actually is where this film earns its title, uh, and the Toby Hooper film not. Yeah, quite. and then um, uh, Pepper, she got it too. Yeah, um, and hers was really funny because it was just like I, guess, I don't know what she landed on, but it's like Leatherface, like again, off-screen kill, but you're like you don't see the. the no, the, but it was very much a um, a representation of a male appendage because it was a straightforward penetration kill yeah with it. <laughs> he went and like basically stabbed her with it actually but, but hold the, on let me finish my thought okay okay i, I wasn't done with my thought but go well, ahead okay actually if you think back to texas chainsaw massacre 2 and that scene in the radio or yeah in the um the radio station yeah where leatherface can't fire it up and yeah he's got it between the dj's legs yeah that this kind of makes up for that because he actually had you know, there was no erectile dysfunction with the tool this time. I mean, granted, if you wanted to go that route with it, then... Because, yeah, in, in Texas 2, they really played with that. And it was blatant. It was almost like with uh, Nightmare on Elm Street 2, where it's all the, the gay innuendos and all this sexual, mm-hmm. all that stuff. With this one, I didn't get that at all. It was just straight up chainsaw murdering. With Pepper, what I was saying, what I thought was great was, so he gets on top of the the van and he's, you know, cutting into the top of it, getting at these girls, and he's like reaching in, and it's like that's fucking terrifying because he's just going at it. But then when uh, Pepper gets out of the car and he jumps down, chases her down, slices her back with a chainsaw, and then when she hits the ground and he stabs her with it, and like you could hear him cutting into her. You could just see feathers. I don't know where the feathers... Was it from her jacket? Was it from her jacket? I didn't see it was that, that puppy. But he just cut into it and just feathers. Boom, just going up. It makes for a really cool effect. Because then when he turns around and the headlights are shining on him. And you can see Kemper's face. And that was another change that I thought was really cool. They didn't go the woman route with Leatherface 1. Which I, I heard a lot of people saying like... Where was the woman mask? Like where? Like why didn't they? Why didn't he cut off like Pepper's face and then use that? I was like, it made it because for because Kemper was the first victim, and it made the most sense. It did, and it made it for a very like 
intense uh, well, because, moment, Because too. That, that was what was going to hit Aaron the hardest. Yeah. If you put Pepper's face, they just met Pepper. Oh, yeah. Like, a day or two before that. She was a hitchhiker that they picked up. Yeah. Because Andy thought she was hot. Like, the Kemper going down and Leatherface wearing his Kemper's face. That sentence sounds weird out loud. Yeah. Um, that was going to hit Aaron the hardest. If it was anybody else, it wouldn't have worked quite as well. And it's a shock for the audience, too, because... You see him take Kemper down, but up until that point, you don't really know if he's dead or not until he turns around wearing the face. Yeah. And, and, and it's, it's really a shock. Cool. So I like that they he went through the whole process, and we see him kind of prepping him. And he's at, uh, like, he goes, he knocks the shit out, or he kills Kemper with a hammer, throws him in a tub, and then, like, you know, cuts his clothes off. He's doing the whole thing from... And we're seeing it. And then a little bit later on in the movie, it goes back to Leatherface after, you know, the, the, the group is trying to figure out what the fuck's going on. And they're dealing with the sheriff. And then uh, Leatherface is at his sewing table making his own thing. Um, another great little change that I heard they were going to try to do in, like, I believe it was either in two, I believe it was in three. They wanted to show Leatherface's actual face. But they never got around to doing it. So this movie is the only time we have ever seen Leatherface's full face. Up until that point. Full face. Um, up until yeah. that point. In the actual Leatherface movie, we do get to see... That's what I'm yeah. saying. It's like late, like past that. Way later, Yeah, though. way later, way later. But this, they, they actually put it in the film because of that reason. And I like where it's like he had the, you know, the disease and the disfiguration that, you know, like was taking... It was like a flesh disease, so I thought that was cool where you could see he wasn't – like in the first movie, he almost felt like a like a, a, like a mentally handicapped guy. Yeah, and he did. And Gunnar Hansen played him as sort of the – he was – he was being treated as the dog. Yeah. So basically like he was being controlled by his family. And he, but he was too dumb to be able to think for himself. Like, you see that scene where he sits down on the bone couch and he's clearly having a conflict, yeah. an internal conflict. And this one... Because he just killed somebody. Right. And he was feeling bad about it. Like, you could see that he was having a really difficult time with what he just did. In this movie, he was just... He was a murder machine. And um, the actor that played him was so into it. Yeah. And he wanted to take the the Leatherface role and really make it his own. And they didn't want to play him as a potentially sympathetic victim of his own family. Yeah. No. He is a murdering badass and he is going to run you down. Yeah. But I like that when they did reveal his face and they show that he's got the deformity, I could it makes sense for what he I, I want a new face. I need a like, I, he needs that mask because... Well, he doesn't have a nose, either. No, but that's what I'm saying. It's like, yeah. th that's where it comes down to... What did what did you think of the mask? Not Kemper's face, but the... the oh, no. Most of the 100% one of my favorite designs ever. I, I, I like ever. it better. I like it better. It's... I've, I've seen back and forth comments on this uh, uh, for him, but this mask... Like, hands down is one of my favorite remake designs for any slasher horror movie. Like, it is probably one of my top favorites. He's 
big, he's hulking, and he's yeah. scary looking. Um, Super intimidating. The best thing about the mask, though, if you look on one of the pieces, you can see an ear, like, around his neck. Mm-hmm. Like, so he sewed on, like, a whole different section that's not supposed to be where it's, you know, where it is. Which makes it, like, it's it's a very like small just, detail. You just like that piece, and you but want to it's put just, it in. Yeah. Oh, my God, it, it, it works. And you can see where, like piece of because it's a little bit more aged and it's stretched and just you it's got that dark it's uh, really grotesque yeah and i mean it's just it's and that's where it's like okay well now that he's got kemper and he's he's got a new face so now he can work with something like but that but he also but has a whole face so he was able to just peel it right off of kemper's exactly head. this one it felt like it was more frankenstein to to that and it's like if they ever made a frankenstein movie and made him look like that holy shit that would be amazing but Again, that was something where I really loved that piece. And, um, I mean, I do a lot of the, like, cartoony digital artwork stuff. So, if you want your own, you know, cheap cheap pop. You whore. Yeah. No, if you want your own, just hit me up and I'll, I'll work with you on a, on a price to get your own cartoony stuff. But I did one of Andy, uh, you know, from the 2003 Texas remake. I did a Leatherface it was one of my favorites to actually work on because of that design. Like, all just the, the lines and the just the detail work on it. It was really cool. So, I absolutely love that. Andy, uh, you know, nice little, like, trivia bit, too, which I thought was really funny, was uh, for Leatherface, for him, like, he's already a big fucking dude. I mean, he's a... The actor, because there's a character in this movie called Andy, too. Oh, no, 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 no. Yeah, the actor that played Leatherface. Like, that's who we were talking about. Sorry. I forgot that there wasn't Andy. Yeah. So, but uh, the actor, Andy, he is already a massive man. Like, he is a big hulk of a person. Like, yeah, he's he, a yeah. wall of man meat. Um, <laughs> so, I thought it was hilarious that when he, I guess, was getting cast as Leatherface... That he wanted to get bigger. Well, he was a bodybuilder, yeah. but he wanted to put on... He wanted to look less like a bodybuilder and more just like... Just power. Yeah. So he went on a diet of biscuits and white bread. <laughs> to, to, gain, yeah, to gain 300 pounds to play Leatherface. And I'm like, that's my boy. That's like, you throw some gravy in the mix and we got a party. I'll tell you what. It's like, that is Let's the most southern, southern thing. <laughs> it's like, damn. It's like, oh, I'm going to change my diet to biscuits. And it's like, I don't see a problem with that at all. <laughs> like, it's just, yeah. So what's your question? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I like this mask better. Uh, and I think it's also important to note that this movie was almost 100% practical effects. Yeah, and that also I think there might have been, like, I think there might have been a few little instances of, like, cleanups with CGI um, I think, but generally speaking, this entire movie was done with practical effects. It was practical makeups. It was practical gags. Um, the, you know, Morgan getting sawed in half and all that stuff. Like it was, it was real and in camera, Lauren German blowing her brains out. Like that was real and in camera, they had the puppet head to do it. Mm-hmm. So like it, this was a, um, this was before the era of let's CGI everything. And I think that's what makes this remake probably top of the heap of those 2000s, 2010s remakes because it was all practical effects. You can point to like A Nightmare on Elm Street, for example, where 
they took the 1984 practical effects, CGI'd them, and they looked like dog shit. They looked so bad. And um, this movie didn't have that. And I think that's what keeps it grounded. And it keeps it much more... Um, much more unnerving. Because this this came out the same year as Freddy vs. Jason. And Freddy vs. Jason relied very heavily on CGI. Um, so you can kind of put these two films up against each other as slasher movies. And you can see the differences of the time as to why there is an argument to be made by keeping the art of practical effects in these kinds of movies. I'm not usually one to turn my nose up at CGI because I understand that sometimes it's... You gotta have you it. Gotta, yeah. It's better to do it because of budgetary restrictions, whatever. But when something's not aging well or it's really obvious even in the moment, it kind of makes you go, ooh. Like, that's really hard to work around. I try my best to acknowledge it and move on and not dwell on the fact that it looks so crappy. But um, this is probably what makes... I, the practical effects in, in Texas Chainsaw, I think, are, are what makes me like most happy about this movie um yeah it's so much gorier and there's an ultra violence element to it but it um it's real and in camera so that's super cool yeah and that was something where having a character like leatherface that is a complete bulldozer and it's a very terrifying like anytime he shows up and he starts revving up that chainsaw and he can move you're fucked like it's yeah, yeah. but the actor can move yeah. like it, he it wasn't clumsy and it wasn't sluggish like Gunnar Hansen's was this guy is big and he's agile and he's going to fuck you yeah. up and and that was something where it was it was very for me as as a viewer it it gave me that same sense of kind of like when I watched like uh, hell the Dawn of the Dead remake. If we're gonna we're gonna go into remake mode here, Dawn of the Dead remake, I a hundred percent say that the running zombies are ten times more terrifying than a slow moving one. I'll die on that hill a hundred times because it was like okay, well there now you're putting your survivors into a predicament that you can't get out of um much like our argument that we had for jaws 2 with uh you know the the scene that shouldn't have been in the movie at all you put your you uh, a victim in a predicament that it's a no-win situation yeah and with leatherface because of how bulldozy he is you get that sense with just his presence yeah there's that um amazing scene where you're looking at him yeah you're yeah. there you're it's the the amazing scene where Aaron's running through the uh butcher um the the whole the slaughterhouse mm -hmm. and uh one I actually like that they showed the slaughterhouse because uh in the original they mention that their family were butchers and that they... I, I'm this was a they show, not tell. Yes. Yeah. I like that they, they showed that there was a butcher and they went through it. Um, and it was still functioning, too. So, but then Aaron's running through it and she ends up in the lockers. And she's hiding from Leatherface and he's just hunting her down. And that scene is just the anxiety. 
you know which locker she's in, but Leatherface, he's just going through and opening up every door, and it's just like, and then she just kind of pops out like right at the last little minute. She sets him up to come find him, her. It's like that could have gone any way because if if he would have gotten his hands on her, it would have been over. Yeah, she had to she had to outmaneuver him. Yeah, basically, and that's something where like at the end of the movie with Aaron, it, it became like a okay, wow, like she's. She could actually do something compared to the original. Where Sally was just jumping Sally. out of windows? Yeah, she literally she got tied to a chair, jumped out a window, started screaming, and then found a trucker, and then jumped in the back of the thing and got away. And I think that's what makes Aaron a much more, despite all the stupid at the beginning of the movie, I think this is what makes her a much more viable and a better uh, final girl, is because yeah. she decided she had all she can stands and can't stands yeah. no more. And was proactive in taking Leatherface down. And not only in taking Leatherface down, but when she discovers that um, where the hitchhiker escaped from and the hitchhiker's baby that was there and had... um, uh, And all the other pieces of the puzzle starting to fall into place, she came up with a plan. And you can see she was resourceful. Because, like, there was the one scene where she was trying to hotwire Kemper's car, and Pepper was like, well, where'd you learn to do that? And she said she was juvie, which paints her with a whole yeah. other brush. And and that's where it's like I could see having that where it, maybe a little bit more of a troubled, troubled past, and now she's trying to do things better and, like, have a not – not a goody two shoes, but it's like no. No, no, no. I think yeah. you're onto something though, because I think at that point, because at the beginning of the movie, if she was in juvie and she had been having some issues, if you want to kind of do a little character examination here, she was she went way the other way to overcompensate for the fact that when she was younger, she was troubled yeah. in some way or another. Whatever she, trouble she was, she causing. didn't. She didn't drink. She didn't smoke. Well, there was a deleted scene that came out and said that she was pregnant, and they yes. were they were toying with the idea of having her be pregnant. They ended up thankfully ditching that because yeah. that was dumb although now that i think about it it would have tied her in better with the hitchhiker because there was mirroring going yep. on at the beginning and the end of the movie but i think that i i kind of am glad they didn't go that route because that would have been like a groany like oh really yeah it was a, it would have been kind of a an expected thing almost let's make our yeah. final girl pregnant it's just kind of like Ugh. it's a well i mean i like that with the whole story with her and kemper where they go to Mexico and they went to go get weed and then but she's thinking like oh we're gonna go and and kind of spend a little bit of vacation time and then you know maybe you you know go down and get a cheap little diamond and you know we'll get married because like obviously they're she's putting that vibe on him and like and he's already in it uh because later on we end up finding that he was going to ask her like he did get a ring but he was trying to surprise her and he's probably going to do it at the concert. Yeah. Um, but that was the thing was there was that whole premise. And then I could see having the baby work its way in there, but it wouldn't, it wouldn't hold up for as much of the story as it, as it needed to. I like the fact that when she realized that the hitchhiker, uh, because one little detail that I love that they never, they didn't really show it as like really, like it was kind of a quick thing, but when she uh, was in the the back of the van and she leaned down and she was crying and she was about to go and pull the gun out from her crotch hole region, like you could see the blood like on on the inner inner part of her thighs. Yeah. 
So meaning that, okay, well, something happened there. Later on, when we find out that there's uh, – when she meets the uh, – the, or when she goes to the trailer park meets and, the women. and meets the women and uh, she, she sees the baby but the baby doesn't look like them and it kind of looks more like the hitchhiker. Well she, she found those pictures. So. Yeah she puts the two and two together and she's like that's not your kid and all like and so now she's like locked into this whole that whole gimmick. If she had the baby on t- or you know if she's pregnant and then on top of that, now dealing with the thing. That, I think, could have added. Because it would have added a little extra layer of danger, but I think it would have been too, like, eye-rolly. Yeah. Here's the thing, though, with the hitchhiker character is I she's got the blood between her legs. Which you could be like, oh, well, she's just given birth. But that baby is way too old. That baby's Very eaten, much. That, it's already eaten solid food. Like, that baby's yeah. almost a year old. And I had a head full of hair unless she had the baby and they never cleaned her up. They no, just left. No, 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 no. That that blood was fresh. She'd been raped. Oh, I, I could definitely see yeah, that with, no, with the sheriff, was, but it was it was either she'd been raped or she that had gotten bloody trying to hide the gun. But the, there was no way that she yeah. had a fresh baby at that point. At least not that we saw on screen. And you got to go by the information that you have. Um, but yeah, I mean that was her daughter that yeah. those women in the trailer had. Yeah, in, in my head, that's how it played out. Was that she some like she had the baby. A while ago, and based off of what they do with, with Jebediah, where they don't yeah. take care of him and I he's just dirty. Think, I don't think that would have been almost a year's. That blood didn't look that old. No, no, that's what I'm saying. But it's like in my head, it made a little bit more sure. sense, and it and it made it even a more terrifying thing. Where they're just like, we're just gonna steal your baby, and we're just gonna leave you how how you are, and just put you up or and then like i also thought about it's like okay, well the rape thing well with the sheriff that makes complete sense that he would do something like well that. he was copping a feel on her dead body yeah so that that would make more sense as to that he he did that so there's so many different things that we have to kind of put together as an audience member and just you know just in our own imagination but i like that like it was cool i mean it gave you what you needed but then it allowed you to build on your own imagination to make something even better. Like so, that's like that was kind a of little fun. bit. It was yeah. it was a taste of something, and your yeah. brain was being forced to fill in the gaps, and none of those gaps were pleasant. No, they were terrible, terrible things. To Any think about. potential scenario in your head is a bad one as to why a woman is smeared with blood yeah. on her inner thighs. But um, I also love too that uh, when the sheriff finally gets to the group and you know goes gets to the van and stuff like that and he sees the gun he's like where'd you get this and it's like that was his gun like clearly that was his well, yeah, gun. fit right into his leg holster yeah so he just put it right there i was like uh red flags anybody <laughs> like, not just red flags huge neon signs yeah, that like, he had just happened to have an ankle holster that, that happened to fit that revolver yeah that scene uh when uh, the sheriff shows up at the van the first time and like, and he's going through, uh, wrapping the body and doing that whole thing. That whole scene where he's talking to Andy and Morgan in the van, that whole thing all improvised. It's all ad lib. Like it's just, it's, well, yeah. It's, so and that's something that I love that he, that he could let's do. Let's talk about Arlie Ermy here for a yeah. second, because I think, it's worth noting that he's probably the best thing about the entire fucking movie. He's the best thing about the entire 
entire Texas Chainsaw Massacre franchise. Hands down, the best. Yeah, because he did, well, he did two movies. He did this one, and then he did The Beginning. Yeah. Whatever the prequel was. This movie, the best. And a lot of it has to do with the fact that, yes, he'd been an actor for a very long time. A lot of people know him from Full Metal Jacket, whatever. Um, He was a drill sergeant at one point. Like, he just talks like that, but... From what I understand, like, if you met him, he was probably one of the coolest people on the planet Oh, to yeah. But he loved playing villains. He ate that shit up. And so he really... Which, I, under, I actually, I understand because it's like you get a chance to kind of... It's a release. <laughs> it's always fun to be the heel. Like, that's just... It's absolutely way more fun to be the heel than it is to be the baby face. Because yeah. the baby face has a hill to climb, and the heel just has to be like, nah, 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 nah shake your ass at yeah. him. Yeah. Well, I mean, but that was the thing that... The one thing that I don't like about the roles that he plays is, like, he's typecasted. I, I pulled up his IMDb just a little bit ago, and everything Cops, is, like... drill sergeant, yeah, bad guys. general. No, it's, like, general, general, general. It's, like, he was in a, a Scooby-Doo movie as General Yorkie. It's, like, so he played a... He didn't care, though. That's the no. best part, is he really didn't give a shit. Because those are roles he all liked, and it was all stuff that he could identify with because he, that's what he was yeah. in the military. But it was just one of those things where, like, I mean, he, it was just so many movies and TV shows where he's playing that character. And I think because it was, like, once Full Metal Jacket came out, obviously, it was so good. And not for nothing, though, but, uh, Full I Metal mean, Jacket's one of the only Kubrick movies that I like. Yeah, I mean, like, it is so, his part was so good and so memorable that it's like the rest of his career, obviously, is going to be something like that. Yeah. But um, and I and I love that he kind of reprised that role in uh, Frighteners <laughs> as as the ghost general. <laughs> He's like getting all the the. All right, maggots. Yeah, and I think he actually mentions in uh, the remake for Texas Chainsaw. I think he calls uh, the. Uh, I don't, he I think, calls one of them a maggot. Yeah, he calls him a maggot, and it was, but it was more of like an homage to something you know that he's played before. It does. So. It it it's a callback a little bit to the role in Full Metal Jacket, um, but that's just who he was. But he was so good at it, you kind of didn't. Ca- I, I mean, for me personally, as an audience member, it's like I don't care because he's really good at it. He's fucking entertaining. Uh, agreed. It, he is so much fun. I mean, I even when he does kid stuff, I giggled. So hard when <laughs> I I kind of like realized and like really grasped that he was the toy soldiers in Toy Story. Yep. <laughs> I, was like that. I was like, how did anybody let him into this? Like, but it's like it. Well, how it do they? Fits. Get, how do they allow Robin Williams to play the genie? How do they let Jack Black play Nacho Libre? Oh my God! Yeah. Like, there's all these really raunchy, nasty people in kids' movies and shows that just sort of. Yeah, well, there it's you like, go. Oh, you got a dirty mind, but it's like, but like, it fit for exactly what was needed, and yeah. he he fills that role. And yes, it is always entertaining, yeah. and that's something it's, it's where perfect. it and it's a, and it's a good casting. It's just one of those things where it like for me, and he's got that voice too. Yes. Like, he's not a very big man, but he's got that voice that just commands your attention, and it's so firm and loud and intimidating yeah and in this one because he had to play a crazy person you could tell he was like well i'm gonna do it 
I'm gonna chew all the fucking scenery. Yeah. And then he did. Uh, like, <laughs> But that was the thing where, as I was mentioning, we're just looking through his IMDb. It, it kind of made me sad that it's like he went through his entire life doing that without having any type of like I'm gonna try something different, or I'm gonna be want, I'm gonna be like to. I'm gonna be the good guy or something along those lines. But at at that point, it's like when you've been the bad guy or or been a bad ish guy or whatever you want to call him. It's like it's one of those things where it's like you can't unsee that guy in anything you yeah, does. So. but he leaned into the typecast, yeah. so obviously he was fine because he he could have gone out for other roles, and whether he did or not, yeah. I don't know. It's irrelevant, but, but he yeah, for he this made. One, he okay. made a lot of fucking money playing that guy. Oh, yeah. No, and, uh, and like I said, always entertaining. Anytime his name pops up, I'm like, cool. It's, like, and, he's it's gonna clearly, be good. and he's clearly a pro ad-libber. Like, he's, he does a really good job on the fly of improv. Yeah. And because a lot, I don't think... I think most of his lines in this were ad-lib. There yeah. really wasn't a lot he went off script with. Well, I mean, like that scene that I was or mentioning where they're wrapping the body and he's just talking it's about like... All him. And he's like, oh, it's like, oh, she's a little wet down there. What have you guys been doing to her? And it's just like... And you can see how awkward Morgan and Andy are because they're just like, I don't... As actors, they're like, I don't know what to fucking say. Like, <laughs> And I think that actually worked because there's probably, in my head, I imagine there was a direction from Marcus Nispel going, okay, so we don't have lines. However, what I really want you to do is say the worst, nastiest thing that you can possibly think of to fuck with these guys and make it as awkward, as uncomfortable for you as you can. Go. Yeah, I mean, and then like the whole thing where he's like, you know, it's like, oh, you know, it's like back when I was a, a deputy, where you know, I go just you know wrapping up these bodies, you know, maybe go cop a little feel and stuff like that. And you could see when he squeezes he her, her yeah, when he squeezes her, t- he, like Morgan's face is like, oh, like no, <laughs> it's like couldn't help, ew, it's so bad, like it's, it's just so much. But it works because it's so believable. But at the same time, for him to ad lib that. Off the top of his dome, yikes! That is yikesville. He went some dark places. <laughs> it's for pretty that. bad. Yeah. And one of my favorite favorite scenes that gives like the best comedy out of all this thing because the tension and just the awkwardness and just everything that he brings. Because when you when he shows up, he's looking at the group and you can tell something's off, and he's already kind of got this like asshole you know mode towards them but there's one thing so they just finished wrapping the body and he tells morgan and andy all right go ahead and throw her into the squad car and we'll take her not we'll wait for an ambulance we'll you know wait for a coroner nothing nothing. i mean clearly it's super small town so that's all you got so yeah just throw her and go ahead and uh, put her in the in the the squad car and andy's like wait what so they're like (laughs) uh, so like the two guys are like trying to like lift her up and i'm like first of all dude she isn't that big she's not that heavy pounds and even 100 pounds of dead weight with two strapping young lads dude come on i was like you guys need to really work out especially andy man like his you know that that muscle shirt he was sporting, man. It's like wasn't showing that he could lift Seth, somebody. Yeah, size medium. So <laughs> medium. <laughs> so, but that was the thing. Was like the the guys were carrying her to the the car, and uh, Pepper just kind of mentioned, like, just talks under her breath. She's like, "This is so wrong," and then he just like lays under. He's like, "Don't give me that shit." It's like, and he's just like, "This is you know." 
everything we need to do, blah, blah, blah. It's like, well, I'm doing, I'm serving, I'm doing, like, he's just going all, all, on town to town. He's like, I'm here to help. I'm here to do this. I'm here to do what's right, blah, blah, whatever it is. And then all of a sudden he turns to the guys after dealing with Pepper. He's like, hey, don't put that dirty thing in my back of my car. Put her in the trunk. It's like, God, getting blood all over my goddamn seats. And it's just like, after this whole little speech of this, like, morality and all this other stuff. Right. And it's like, I'll turn around, put that shit in the trunk. What are you two, crazy? It's just like, and that is such a Southern, like, I can't tell you <laughs> how many times I've heard my uncles or some of my relatives from Georgia do that. Where they're just like, we have just a way of life and we just have to make sure that we do everything you know by the good book and make sure that we're we're just in and and around it's like joey don't you dare put get your brother out of that headlock i'm gonna come over there and beat your ass like where did that turn come it's just like but that's just we do as the good lord says (laughs) i said get that out of your mouth or i'll get the hose exactly it's just like man like it's just (laughs) It amps up so much, and then it's just like, nope, we got to go. It's like, you know, be civil, and that's what he did. And then, like, after they get the body in the trunk, and he's about to take off, and he turns around to the group, he's like, to serve and protect, that's what we do. And the guys are like, you sure did. It's like, wow. What just happened? And I was like, that was such a cool little, like, fuck you guys, because... Everything he just did to them is just absolutely ridiculous. Well, that was the start of the torture. Yeah. It, it that was where he started to throw them off, and then as we get later in the movie, and he's got what was it? It was the girls and Morgan thrown on the ground yep. in the dirt, and he get fires, your shit in the dirt. And he fires off his gun a couple times next to Aaron's head. Yep, and just to scare him, Pepper's like, "Oh my God, we're gonna die!" Uh, right before he. Drags Morgan away to, for probably running his mouth. I think that's what it was. Yeah. Well, they. Uh, I think what it was was like um, he ended up finding weed. Oh, that in, was in the, the joint in the car. So he's yeah. like, "You guys doing drugs? Get your shit in the dirt!" And like, just went total bad cop on him. And then that's when he got um, Morgan, and he's like, "He's like, you know what? We're gonna figure this shit out right now." And he put him. Into the seat, and that whole scene is so tense, yeah. and it's and it's so good. Just that whole thing of Morgan sitting down, and he's like, you know, I'm looking at the hole, and it doesn't look like everything's lining up. And then Morgan looks over and sees the blood, and, and the sheriff's like, "Well, you just afraid of little blood? Get your shit!" And it's like, like almost like there's no way that you could. You can't keep up with you that. You can't get around this man. And, like, Morgan is such a wimp that he's he, – there's nothing he could do. Nope. And then the whole uh, – just that scene where the sheriff is trying to get him to reenact what the hitchhiker did. And then – That was probably the most tense scene yeah. in the movie. And you can really feel Morgan while he's going through this and he's trying to kind of – do the easy version of that, but he makes uh, the sheriff makes him do exactly yeah. what he saw to putting the gun in his mouth. And the actor who played Morgan, I gave him all the credit in the world because he jammed that gun so far down his throat he made himself puke. Yeah, and you but could it, actually see it in the in the film too come up. Yeah, he was it was like drooling off of his face. Yeah, but we run through all of that and 
he turns up turning the gun on the sheriff, and the sheriff basically calls him out saying, He's like, you don't oh, have the balls to do that. We got our murderer now. Yeah, it's... and so Morgan squeezes the trigger, and um, click empty. Yeah. And he's like, you just killed the sheriff. Yeah. And that, and then it all goes to hell That, that was that. the one thing, too, when uh, Morgan's pointing the gun, and he's like, you motherfucker. And he's, just, and he's like screaming at the sheriff, yeah. and the sheriff's is like, go ahead and do it. You already know, and like I was like, there ain't no shit in that gun. Like I already knew, like watching that film the first well, time. Well, because he already fired it off in the dirt, so yeah. there's nothing left in it. But no, but the, like, so I already knew that there wasn't anything in it, but because he was playing that card. But then it was just funny because he was the the scene was amped up so much that you didn't give a shit. You were just like, I'm I'm ready. Like yeah, I, mean, I need to know. But then Aaron, when she gets up and she's screaming at Morgan, don't do it, don't do it. And then turn around, and the sheriff's like, if he shoots me, your accomplice is the murderer. Now he's putting them on the fear list. Yeah. And it's just like, even then, again, Aaron, it's like, this man is trying to harm you. Clearly. You guys are going to be, it's not that it's like, oh, you guys are in trouble, I'm going to take you in or whatever. He literally just fired shots off to scare you. It's like, you guys are in danger. If Morgan shoots this guy and kills him, less danger. You guys are gone. Like you can get out of there and and deal with whatever you need to do. But he didn't. I mean, no. Morgan tried to be the hero in the end too to kind of make up for that sort of wimpy, yeah. impotent performance. Um, but you know, he got hung up on a chandelier for his trouble and cut in half. <laughs> yeah, he did. But that was the thing. Was like I love that scene. With just that intense moment in the squad car, but or, or in the van, and then later on when uh, the sheriff is taking him to the Hewitt house, oh, and he cracks in the face oh with the bottle. Oh my god! He's, the poor boy's spitting his teeth out. Like, it's crazy. That whole line of like, so <laughs> the sheriff's drinking. Yeah, yeah, the sheriff's drinking, and then all of a sudden he's like, "Oh, so where were you guys going?" Like he's just having a conversation with this kid. Not that, oh, I just made you do something completely. So it's just that dynamic that, that he has to put you in this awkward phase. And you can tell that Morgan's just like, I'm just so fucking over this shit keeps, right now. The goal is to keep you off kilter. Yeah. But then that whole thing was like, oh, we're going to a concert. We had front tickets to, to Skinner. And then, like, Sheriff's like, oh, love me some Skinner. Like, that's so great. He's like, you can have the tickets. And it's like, oh, you want to bribe me? Boom! Crack him right in the jaw, and it's just like, and, and then after he he spits out his teeth, he's like, "Hey, we look like twins," and he takes out his own two front teeth and just total hillbilly style. And I was just like, "Oh my god!" Like so now he just made a joke after cracking him in the in the jaw. I was like, that the whole scene is just thing, so I good. Think, I think though, him getting his comeuppance in the end, um, when with Aaron was pretty good. Like I really like. I'm gonna talk about the ending a little bit because I like. I do enjoy how this movie ended. The she Aaron gets picked up by the truck driver and it, they're headed back towards the town, and it's mirroring the hitchhiker at the beginning of the movie, and she's freaking out, um, trying to get the truck driver to turn to stop Aaron, the truck. Aaron and turn says around. the same exact it's thing. The same exact line. I just want to go home. She's confused. She's disoriented. She sees the sign for yeah. the barbecue place, and the truck driver is like crazy fucking woman, and he gets out, you know, pulls over the truck, gets out of the barbecue place, and he's like, I gotta use your phone, it's a whole thing. 
And Aaron gets out of the truck and follows him. She's like, don't get out, don't get out, and, and follows him around. She goes around the back and sees the baby in the high chair at the back of the barbecue place. So while everyone else is distracted, she kidnaps the baby. She kidnaps the kidnapped baby. Um, and we don't really know 100% what's going on. We just kind of see Aaron sneaking around. And then Henrietta, Henrietta, one of the trailer park women, um, who was probably the most doting on the baby, because you can tell she probably really very badly wanted to be a mom. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty sure, sidebar, I'm pretty sure Jedediah is hers because he looks just like her. Very much, yeah. Like, they casted a child that looked just like that woman. It was yep. really, really eerie. I, I would say, say so. Um, but I'm guessing Jedediah was taken away from her in some capacity or another. Um, but anyway, so Aaron goes and takes the baby and then it, with her sneaking around the back of the barbecue joint, everything starts happening a lot faster. Like the pace really picks up in terms of like, we're, we're, the finish line is right there. Yeah. The, so Henrietta turns back around, the baby's missing from the high chair. The sheriff is now out in the rain, like, looking in, like, yeah, trying to Yeah, because they're going to the truck. We have, yeah. it's a little bit of a bait and switch because we see, we had a close-up shot of Jessica Beal trying to hotwire the car, do the hotwire thing. We think she's trying to hotwire the truck trailer, and it's not. She steals the sheriff's car, so it's a little bit of a bait and switch, which was really smart on her end to not get back in that truck. Yeah. Well, because she probably can't even drive a semi. Well, it doesn't so. matter if she could drive it or not. I'm sure she could try to figure it out. But it's the fact of, like, that's where she was supposed to be. And that's where the truck driver was going to take the sheriff back to. Yeah. And so her going, oh, well, I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to go ahead and steal the sheriff's car. It's a better bet. Makes her look a lot smarter than she definitely did at the beginning of the movie. Yeah. And that was something that I... Out of everything good I said about this movie... This moment was the one thing that I have notes on. Mm. I Which part? Not, the, when she hit him the first time or when she backed up and did it again or when she took off and the third time? That scene is very satisfying. Double tap. Triple tap. Yeah. Like, that scene is very satisfying. However, the, the end chase scene with her and Leatherface and then with the running over of uh, the sheriff at the end. Well, Jedediah got involved too with yeah. the with Leatherface stuff. Yeah, I I did not like the way they did that. Okay. They, because um, if anybody, if you guys listening here know me, it's like I'm all about continuity. So when you take your big bads, right, and they are so big that you know that most. They have potential for another viewing. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah there's, there's some way that they, they, they're going to come back, right? Uh, especially Leatherface, because that's what it is. Um, He's the draw. He's the he attraction. Is. So the thing is, is that in Texas, the original, right? The Toby Hooper movie. He only cut his leg. He was still intact, and... We never saw anything else except for him swinging his chainsaw Through around. His all, moves. Yeah, all, all pissed off, which is such an iconic scene. In this one, he loses a whole fucking arm. Yeah. Which is intense, but he loses a whole fucking arm. So he's a one arm chainsaw wielding maniac. And then. I'd read that book. Yeah. And then turn around where it's like, okay, so he survives and. 
they don't know. Later on, and at the end of the film, when we see the police report videotape, and he kind of comes at him and stuff like that. Not saying that that Leatherface couldn't hold up, but at the same time, now he only has one arm, and it's like how much. Like it just it, it's just one of those things where it's like you just hurt your product. Like, did you didn't you didn't need to take his arm? You could have really like done damage to his leg. You know, or like have uh, like because they were in a slaughterhouse, have him fall off of something high and maybe break his leg. So that way, it's like you do now have it, him that way. Yeah, you do now have a potential where he could still get up and and lumber at her because later when she gets into the the sheriff's car, runs him over and then and then hightails it out. Leatherface comes up and and you know to the side of the road and slashes at the the car. And then she drives off. Well, that's the thing is like, well, if he just broke his leg or whatever, now you still have potential for a part two and you could continue it on if it was doing that much money. Yeah. That it's the same thing that I have a problem with on Halloween two where we're shooting him in, in directly in the eyes. Well, here's you the ju- thing though. Yeah. Here's the thing though with those continuity things is Halloween two for example, there was never meant to be another one. No, and I and I and then I, in, I'm fine with that. And in this one, this particular timeline, because Texas the Texas Chainsaw Massacre timeline gives the Halloween timeline a run for its fucking money. I swear. Oh yeah, it's it's horrible. Um, in this particular iteration of the Texas Chainsaw timeline, there was only two movies for the Hewitts. There was this movie, and then there was a prequel. I don't think. The idea here was for Platinum Dunes to do a sequel to this film. No, but I'm but I'm thinking that in like for like long term effect where I want to see more Leatherface. We're getting a new Leatherface movie soon, so I'm like, okay, well, what are we gonna do with that? But that's the thing is because he, you when you take off big chunks of your big bad like that, you really hurt yourself. Well, we and we, that's we went back to the Sawyers after this though, so it kind of just didn't end up mattering one way or the other no. but that's so it kind of kind of boots your point though no but that's the thing is as a, a fan of this movie and a fan of that leather face i want to see a potential for more of that leather face we did get in the prequel but i would like to see if they were going to do a brand new movie without you know like a chop top you know make something completely new you know Going forward, uh, based off of, of this timeline, that would have been cool. But because they cut his arm off, it's just now you just yeah. you know I it's, think it hurts. I think you're overthinking it. Uh, well, no, but then it was the same thing with the sheriff. Same same argument that I, well, not argument, but just same uh, thing there. It's like you killed the sheriff, you ran him over three times. He ain't getting up. But that's the thing is. But yeah. here's my argument for that, though, is I love that they did a movie with a fucking ending. That doesn't happen with a slasher. They did a movie with an ending yeah. and no intention to make a sequel. Thank fucking God. Yeah. No, and I agree with that. And I like the ending. It was just the thing of, like, I wish they would have... Even if you just killed the sheriff, like... Fine, like, 
the way he died, perfect. Like that was great. No, no problem with that. It was just the whole cutting the arm off of Leatherface. Here's, I would have just, you know, maybe disabled him a different my, way. But, I know you mentioned yeah. that, but here's my issue. Not everything needs a fucking sequel. I am really like when we went into Jaws two. That movie has zero reason to exist. None. They ended Jaws. Jaws had an ending. The same thing with this version of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. It had a fucking ending. And that's great. And the... It put such a nice little bow on the movie that you can walk out of here going, you know what, that was really satisfying. I don't need another one. This is a good standalone movie with a fucking ending. And that's so rare with a slasher, especially. Now, obviously, this particular one sits in its own bubble because we had Chainsaw Massacre and then we had the beginning, the, the prequel. So it's those two films, it's a duology of the little the, the Hewitt family. And then we go back to the Sawyers or whatever after that for whatever convoluted mess decided to come down the pike after that. But, like, we have this really neat little sort of case study on what you should do with a slasher movie. Like, the prequel... I don't think I've seen the prequel in a gazillion years. I'm pretty sure I've only seen it once. But if you're looking at this movie as a standalone, this is a, a fantastic case study of how to write A to Z, finish your movie, and then leave the audience going, man, that was a fucking ride. I am so happy I saw that. Instead of going, sequel bait awesome who saw that coming because that's the swerve the swerve in the movie is that there is no sequel bait because at this point in 2003 when this movie came out the sequel thing had been done for several decades at this point to death that the audience goes in basically expecting it to be open-ended to not get that was the surprise and and like i said i'm not I'm not dogging it, but it was just one of those things that, like, as a fan and as a person that I don't, I don't like it when you over hurt your your big bads. That's the thing that it's like I again. Michael Myers got blown up, and they still brought him back. That's what I'm saying. It's like it's like I'm, I'm almost expecting them to want to go ahead and do something and continue that story on and, and, and yes because it yeah. is money making and whatever but at this point it's and not I agree gonna with happen that. no but I agree with that I agree with that whole thing of just you know end it make it its own movie because that never happens and that's completely fine and I am very happy with the way that this thing did end but it was I, just I, I don't do, want my I big do, bad hurt that much yeah no it uh, doesn't matter but I do see your point though of where this movie was so well done that to get more in this universe would have been nice. And we we didn't get that. Yeah. Um, and the, Because the big Texas Chainsaw Beginnings tanked. Yeah. It did not do well. I mean, if you really wanted to kind of continue it on and do a, a Texas 2 remake, if you want to quote-unquote It's this, been 18 years. There's kind of no point. No, no, but I'm just saying that if you ended up doing something like that... And you could maybe bring it, like, if you wanted to do, like, a chop top With the one-arm thing man. or whatever. And, yeah, you, you do a, a leather face thing and you put, like, a prosthetic on so that you can hold his chainsaw. Whatever you want to, you know, do. 
But I think that could have been a thing where it's like Chop Top was his cousin and then they, they brought him in and just kind of – and he took over that role of what the sheriff was or he was like the brother of the sheriff. I don't know. Like – but that's what I'm saying. It's like it's one of those like it's a fun – it's a fun fan thing to think about because of what they did already. But yet I agree. Totally not needed. But it's like it's one of those things. Where I love this film that much, and I love the Leatherface character that but you much. Wouldn't mind getting more I of it. would love to get more of that, and that's when the beginnings came. I was like, "Cool, we're getting that, and we're getting to see kind all of. the shit." Well, no, we're getting to see all the shit where it's the lead up where he is the dog and the shit. Like he's not even the sheriff; he killed the sheriff yeah. and then stole his clothes. And then, yeah. like that's even crazier that he's just. He's posing yeah. as law enforcement. So it was like that was a that was a cool thing where I like seeing that build up, but again, I would love to see a brand new film, a brand new story with that with that those characters, and well, we can't now anyway because Arlie Ermy died a few years ago. Yes, so I agree, and that's very very sad. But, but the and and since then, the Texas Chainsaw movies that have come out have been. Mediocre to bad. Yeah. The only ones that I've seen that I can point to that I was like, you know, that one's actually pretty good was Leatherface. That one was actually pretty good. Um, the rest of them I was kind of like, meh, eh. Where was the one where it was like the little girl who ended up being like a long lost like cousin or something like that and she that ended up taking over the mantle? Texas Chainsaw, I think. Yeah. I don't know. Like the- That was Alexandria Daddario, yeah. um, which that got all fucky because like she was only 20 years old, but the character, the age chronologically should have been in her 40s because she was a baby at the end of the 74 movie. Like they're trying to make it a direct sequel to the 74 yeah. movie. It just, it, but it was set in modern day. It was a mess. Yeah. Um, Stuff no, like you. stuff like that. I mean, it's again, like good, good for you for trying, but yeah, you failed. So I mean, like stuff like Let's that. Let's take the L on that one. Yeah. So I mean, but and now I'm excited to see what's going to come with the next Leatherface. All I've seen is just the poster. There's and that's it. The issue I have with the Texas Chainsaw Massacre is that the majority of the films just are not good movies. Yeah. They're not good. Um, some people like Texas Chainsaw Two because of the silliness of it. And because Toby Hooper came back, and but he was making fun of his own movie. Yeah, I mean, he even did the the fucking goofy poster with like it was like the Breakfast Club with the fucking Texas like yeah, crew yeah. and stuff like that. It's like clear. It's it's that. It's it like, was him. Oh, you knew it was gonna be silly. It was him making fun of his own movie yeah. to one degree or another, like Joe Dante did with Gremlins. Like Gremlins Two made fun of Gremlins. Same kind of thing, but Texas Chainsaw Two came first. Yeah, but it was the whole like. It really wasn't a great movie. And then the Texas Chainsaw, the one with Matthew McConaughey and Renee Zellweger, that was a dumpster fire. And then basically, like, this movie kind of stands out because it was a well-done remake, but you could still put that in the same category as the original because it's riffing on the original. Yeah. It pays enough homage and respects to the original while still being its own thing. Um, to You can look at them as two separate movies, but they fall under that same umbrella. And then basically everything since... 2003 has been not good. Like, this is one that I can point to where the law of diminishing returns, like, kicked its ass. This one in, like, Hellraiser. Hellraiser was a really rough one. Hellraiser was a fucking mess. I remember there was uh, one, uh, 
it was like at one point I wanted to do like a marathon, so we ended up because I mean, you went to uh, you were working at um at Movie Stop, and so I went through and bought the entire Hellraiser collection. Like I even got like the special edition uh, Hellraiser one where it's the cube, yeah, like case, which is totally badass. But um, <laughs> so I, think I got it was the first two movies actually. No, uh, it was the it was just the first movie. It was the the Blu-ray, the DVD, and then the bonus features. I ended up taking the DVD out and putting the the second uh, oh, okay. Blu-ray in there. Um, but that was the thing. Like, so we ended up watching it front to back. Like, I pulled like a Lord of the Rings style marathon on this thing and watched it front to back. And as it kept going on, I'm like, what is the point? It's like the point. I can tell you. It's just money. It was to retain the rights. Money, money, money. It was literally <laughs> yeah. for the studio to retain the rights to this property. I mean, the whole that's thing, it. Like, like uh, Hellraiser Inferno was infuriating because it's like we don't need this. It's yeah. like I'm following a cop around who's seeing two Cenobites that look creepy, and the story's okay, but it's like and that's the problem the is they just started it putting Cenobites in cop dramas, yeah. and then all of a sudden it was like at, right at the end it turned around I was like oh well, like Pinhead was the the mastermind. And it's like where the fuck were you the whole movie? It's like come yeah, on. the most recent Hellraiser one had me for a part of it, and I was like hey this is going at a pretty yeah. good clip. And then the ending just got real dumb. Or what was the, the... And it was like... It was one of the most egregious thing I had seen in a really long time. What I was, was like, the... why are you existing? It was the, the, the Hell World. The the digital one with the, the internet. With the where game they... with a very... Uh, I give that one a pass because there's a very young and very hunky Henry Cavill in it. Pre-Tutors. Yeah. So... Yeah. <laughs> that, that was the thing. It's like, it's like as you watch Hellraisers... It's just like, man, like, it, the, again, it's like after two, or, uh, you know what? No. Even after, after three. Three. Three was pretty, was really good, too. But, yeah, after three, it's like you could just see it just like, start why? to trickle down. And I and I would say the same thing for Texas Chainsaw Massacre. It's yeah. kind of like, okay, we get that one. Number two, you kind of go, ah, it tickles me. But after that, it's like, why are we still fucking doing this? Yeah, and, and that's the thing is that I, because this remake, I liked... A lot, and I want those characters. I, I want something like that again. And it's if it's a brand new story, that's something that I that I'm aching at because with when it comes to remakes, this movie is probably one of my. And, and I think we could probably get into our skull ratings here, but this movie is probably one of my top remakes. This is far to, and away probably one of the best remakes. Yeah, yeah. because it did change things, but it kept. Everything, the soul was still there. The soul was still there, yeah. and it, it it and the the story held you, and they added in just a little, a couple of different things to beef up the story a little bit more than just having a crazy family, yeah. And that that whole thing. Same thing with like uh, you know Friday the Thirteenth, the uh, remake where they basically took parts one and two, smashed them together, and then three became a, almost a, a brand new story. And that was something where it's like, okay, well, that that was I, I enjoy because I'm not seeing the same thing. With Rob Zombie's Halloween and everything else, same thing. It's like he kind of took the the meat and the guts but then added his own Rob Zombie-esque to it. And it made it for something different where you're not watching it like Carrie where it's – the remake shot is literally shot. almost a shot for shot, beautifully acted – I mean, I love the actresses in there. I mean, they did great, 
But it was just it one of It does not need to exist. It didn't need it. It's like, because yeah. it was just there. Especially because you're following Brian De Palma. Give me a break. Yeah. And that's where it's like, with this one, I I really enjoyed it. And um, also, uh, you know, side note too, uh, probably one of my favorite Halloween Horror Night houses too. That, this, when this movie came out, I remember going uh, to Halloween Horror Nights and scared the ever-living shit out of me because one of my favorite little spots and I hate I hate the houses when the shit is dangling and you have to walk it's the through sheets, yeah. And you have to literally walk through the laundry and Leatherface comes right out at you. And I just saw the movie like like really recent before I went to that house and it was fucking terrifying. It was so good because it's they had one guy come at you and uh, he revved up the the chainsaw and you automatically just like fuck this and like you like rushed through and then there was another guy with a chainsaw so it kind of made it look like he was running at you but there was just two people in that one little space and it's like that and it was a very tight area too and you actually got to go through the Hewitt house and and see all the stuff you actually got to see the the shed and everything like it was so cool well done and absolutely one of my favorite houses next to uh, the thing and American Werewolf from London. That one scared the shit out of me. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, skull ratings. Yes. I'm going first because you're long winded. Sure. Um, I gave sort of four point four. Beautiful. I. I don't know. But part of it's because this is the first movie that I saw. First Texas Chainsaw movie that I saw. Um, this. It's also because it was brutal. This is so much more brutal than the Toby Hooper movie. Uh, for good or ill, it is what it is. Um, it's darker. It's dirtier. It's grimier. It it doesn't stop. Like, it's relentless. Like, in the, the Toby Hooper movie, there's a lot of quiet moments in it. Like, at the dinner table and all that other stuff. This one just keeps punching you in the head. The whole, almost the entire runtime. Like, once you kick into the action... That's it till the credits roll. Like, you are getting pummeled. Um, the special effects were fantastic. Um, they gave you... It wasn't voyeuristic. You weren't lingering on the kills too long, but you got just enough to go, yeah. ooh, that a, a lot of it, it, too, is the setup with, like, where they where he shows you the hooks. And, you yeah. like, and, and like, like Andy, when uh, like he picks him up, and Andy looks over and sees a hook, and you see his reaction, like, oh, shit, that's where coming. I'm going. And then, boom, like, he has no control over what it, what's going to happen. Yeah. And Leatherface is like, cool, you're going up here, bud. Like, just... Hold this. Yeah. Um, the, the story is, you know, it's mostly a retread. It's kind of, you know, whatever. Um, the acting was really good. I dare say the acting in this was oh, leaps and bounds better than the acting we got in the first movie. Uh, mostly because it was novice actors and porn stars in it. Um, yeah. Marilyn Burns. So, like... There was it had that going for it. I don't know. I just like I overall do like this one a lot better. I think this one also had the advantage of being seen first, um, like I said. But this is a strong four point four. I like it not just as a remake, but as a horror movie. Like yeah, it's one of the strongest horror remakes I've seen, and I've seen most of them. Um, but as just a horror movie, this one's the fucking balls, man. Like. 
Go in and watch it. Like, they made Leatherface big, burly, and scary. You feel zero sympathy because this is a guy who likes what he does. And he doesn't care. Yeah, he's physically deformed, but he knows what he's doing. He's not at anybody's beck and call. He, uh, you know, even when um, the the amputee was, like, banging on the floor to try to, to call him up, it's not because he was a dog. It's because he knew, because there were strangers in the house and he wanted them fucking gone. And there was no remorse. Like, there wasn't a point where Leatherface sat down and looked in a mirror and went, oh, no, what have I done? Yeah. There was none of that. In the other one, you could look at him as, like, the sympathetic lackey because he was mm-hmm. mentally stunted or whatever. And this one, none of that. Um, so I really kind of like that they just went ahead and made him the big, rabid dog um, to, to just start taking people out and that he liked it. I think that may, that's probably one of the biggest changes and one of the best changes to the Leatherface character. I like the sympathetic Leatherface for a whole different set of reasons, but to have the guy who was humongous and could move, he was a real threat. Yeah. Like, Gunnar Hansen was lumbery and he was slow. One other thing that I liked about uh, this Leatherface, too, is that th- they kept in the butcher aspect of it because like after so when he cuts Andy's leg clean off in the in the laundry um, which I'm pretty sure his mama or you know grandmother would have been pissed about her sheets um, but that was the thing it's like so we, oh yeah he was gonna get yeah he, cu- he cuts his uh, cuts Andy's leg off and then drags him down into the cellar which I don't know where all that water is coming from that was just so Jessica Biel could be in a wet t-shirt yeah but um but anyways, when Andy gets put up onto the meat hook, uh, <laughs> Leatherface goes over and grabs a big old handful of salt and then, you know, just rubs it into his wound to help cauterize it. Yep. Um, and then on top of that, he ends up going and getting a whole bunch of butcher paper and butcher twine and wraps his leg up. Well, he didn't want to bleed out. No, I was like, that's awesome. And then that was terrifying where it's, it's like... It's twisted. Yeah, but I was like... What was he going to do with him? He was aging him like a steak. No, but that's what I was like. He's just going to hang there until he ended up dying or, or you know, just bleeding. Just, yeah, it's like dying of shock or what what have you. But it's like, what was Leatherface going to do with him? We never found yeah. out because Aaron had to kill him. Had to kill yeah. him. So, um, yeah, I, I like I like the unstoppable force like force of nature version of, of Leatherface. Um, I thought Marcus Nispel had a really good point of view. I thought he was very respectful of the source material while still making this very much his own thing. Um, I don't much love the fact that it kind of kicked off the torture porn craze, kind of. I mean, it was by accident, but this is a really good snapshot of what, of where we were as a culture and as a society at that time. It was just nihilism and it was despair and it was mistrust and there was a lot it's that post 9-11 thing and and that was still fresh we were only two years removed yeah and i don't know about the rest of the planet but here in america like we were still struggling with those issues we were about to go to war go to war in the middle east and um you know we had a fucking idiot redneck as a president and like it it's a really interesting socio-political economic slap snapshot of where we were, and it takes place in 1973. 
minus the anachronistic Leonard Skinner song. They should have used Give Me Three Steps, but whatever. <laughs> yeah, we, we mentioned that too, where it's like, a, 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 like Sweet Home Alabama say? hadn't even come out yet. Yeah, it's like a whole year. And like, like the okay. album didn't even come out. Yeah, I mean, they literally could have just changed the year to like 1974, and they would have just made complete oh, sure. sense. Same thing with like that argument with the whole name change for the Hewitts to the, you know or from the Sawyers. It's like why did you just call them Sawyers? It's like you could have still kept all the same names. What's just, the it's just to differentiate the two movies. Yeah, That's yeah. It. So, but I, but that was I was like yeah, I mean it's so simple, but it's like eh, why not? So yeah, four point four out of Good. me. Um, highly recommend. Love it. Um, I know that that's. I don't. Sometimes I feel like it's controversial, and then when I think about the reception that this movie has gotten, especially in the years since. Maybe it's not as maybe it's, I'm a little more in the mainstream than I usually am and how I feel about a movie. So I feel a little less weird about coming out and saying I love this thing, but yeah. I really do love this movie. Yeah, um, and I have since it came out. Yeah, thanks, uh, Matt. Agreed. Uh, that was the thing is I I think I mentioned this at the beginning of our first episode for the remakes uh, when uh, for the Blob and. That was the thing is I have come to found like find myself loving the remakes more than the originals. Whereas most of the people that I know, it's so not. It's that. the complete opposite. Well, I think it know? helps that you and I we don't have any sacred cows. Like besides Jaws. Well, Jaws is never no one's no one's touched Jaws, and I think they, everybody knows better. Yeah, no. But we don't have any sacred cows, so there's nothing that you or I put up on a pedestal beside Jaws, withstand, mm-hmm. notwithstanding. Yes. We don't put anything up on a pedestal that we at all. So anything is open to criticism. It's open to praise, but it's also open to criticism. And like I, for me personally, I don't look at some of these older films or the original versions versions of these films and go. This was untouchable. Yeah. Because in, in, in while The Nightmare on Elm Street, for example, The Nightmare on Elm Street remake was a complete flat-on-his-face fail, I can still look at the 1984 version and go, there's a better movie in here that should have been made. Yeah. There, that movie's got a lot of problems. Yeah. And, and that was the thing was, as we were going through our first watch for the original, um, I still gave it some pretty high praise. I mean, again, it's awesome. It's Texas Chainsaw Massacre. It's great. But there's stuff that in the original that I was just like, no, I like that better. Um, one of the things was the group of kids or the, or college kids or whatever. And you Franklin call it. wasn't in this movie. Franklin, that's exactly right. I was like, no fucking Franklin. I was like, Morgan became the Franklin. However, but it was it's like, so much more likable. Yeah, so much more likable. And then on top of that, um, and the, the wheelchair. That drove me bananas. I was like, that is a recipe for just terrible because it's like you have an annoying character who's a, a baby who is just a, a whiner and now he's in a wheelchair and then the whole scene of her pushing Franklin or Sally pushing Franklin through the woods in a wheelchair like doesn't seem smart Everything at all like it, it, ter- terrible but uh, but as a horror movie lover it's like in a weird way you kind of love franklin because of how terrible it's it's what it's it's so bad it's It's the paul Heyman effect he gets a reaction out of you and i love me some paul Heyman. but that was the thing is i love that they did the morgan swap where he kind of had that same dynamic 
but he was a little annoying and still a little wimpy. But the fact that he wasn't in a wheelchair like made the so, so much better for him. And he wasn't as annoying. Yeah. He wasn't as clingy. He was yeah. He was the wimpy character, but I still liked Morgan. Yeah. I saw Franklin. I couldn't wait for Franklin to die. Exactly. I was sad when Morgan died. Yeah. Like, I kind of felt for the poor boy. Yeah, and, like, when he tried to, like, go after Leatherface, I was like, dude, that ain't happening. He tried to be the hero. Yeah, and then he he just got... He knew he was a goner, so at least if Aaron could get away. So, uh, that was something that I liked with the change. I love the change with the Hewitts. Um, That, I thought, was, was really cool. Um... And it just and and really changing up from like the hitchhiker and the dad, like that dynamic was just weird. And then again, no grandpa. That whole thing was fucking. Uh, it was just. It didn't. It was just. It was very awkward and it didn't fit. Like when you sit, really sit I'm, back and watch it. Here's my controversial know? opinion. Yeah. That dinner scene ground that entire movie to a screeching fucking halt. It's it's super creepy and eerie, but yes, at the same time, you're just like, you're sitting Everything there stops. dealing with this whole thing, and then it makes Leatherface not the big bad villain that he's... No, you're just watching a family yeah. fight each other. Yeah, and it, it, again, that's just the... It's like, it's awkward Thanksgiving. I don't want to watch You're just that. sitting there, like, watching Sally having to deal with this. But and that screaming. Oh my god, I hated that. Yeah. So there was a lot of lot of updates to the film that I thought was really, really good. I love that Aaron did have that that build to what she ended up becoming. Oh yeah. Uh, one thing that I did miss though was the truck driver running away from Leatherface. Like Yeah. <laughs> I missed that like like truck driver was like, Hey you okay, okay? Holy shit! <laughs> it's a fucking books it away. I missed that. Like that was really funny. That was really funny. I really hope he got away though. <laughs> I did too. I think he did. But man that fat, fat fuck just like, oh God, no Like that would have been hilarious. I'm gonna help I'm gonna pull over and help this yeah. Nope. I'm gone. So I I thought that was really cool. Uh for me I mean, I, I watched this thing in theaters, and I've owned this movie for so long. What's your skull rating? I'm giving this one a 4.8. Cool. It's high on my list. Yeah. And, and I actually looked back through all of our skull ratings, and so far there has been, like, almost nothing that I was like – practically almost every movie has, has been, like, high on my list. I can't wait to do dumpster fire because it's like I gotta work out a whole new skull rating. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know what'd be really funny is is when we get to dumpster month. Uh, if somehow our opinions change, I don't know. I don't think. So. I don't think so. But that, that was the thing was so I'm giving this one a four point eight just because I really like front to back. This is just a solid movie for me. I every Halloween it goes on like I'm I'm. Like like every October it goes on. I mean, if there's times where I'm just feeling like it's like I'll just throw something on. Sometimes I'll throw this one on. Like it is, it is that solid of a movie for me, and yep. it's it's just one of those things where I'll. I mean, for for remakes, this was the first one that I saw that I was just like, holy shit, this is amazing, and and also it allows me to still be a fan of the first one and what they did in that but it, like I said that one also had its, its problems when you really step back and take a look at it yeah um, and that know, so, I yeah. think I think that's a takeaway here and we have one more week of the remakes to do but I think that's the takeaway here is don't have sacred cows it's much more enjoyable 
in any version of a movie, it's much more enjoyable to go in and not have something that you feel like is so untouchable. Are there a lot of remakes that don't need to exist? Fuck yes. Did we really need My Bloody Valentine in 3D? No. Did we need another prom night? No. But we got them. Um, do we need... What are we up to? How many Black Christmas remakes do we have now? Two? Like, three? Two, yeah. Do we need Black Christmas remakes? No. So, like, we don't need them. They exist, but there's enough people out there that would argue the merits of those movies for whatever the reason. And for me, as long as there's enough new stuff or maybe exploring alternatives in a movie... I'm fine with a reimagining or a remake or whatever the fuck you want to call it, um, as long as there's something new. But if someone wants to go out and make a shot for shot with new actors in it, fucking yeah. why? Explain I, to me the thought process as to why. The the thing that I, I find when I have to when when I argue with uh, friends and stuff like that about stuff like this, because like I said, I'm typically the one that's just like, no, I I favor the remake over this. And, I mean, I've seen other people that, that do that as well. The remakes, though, they have the unfair advantage of having some, some sort of precedent that they can look at the problems and fix them. Yes. And modern money and... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. All that stuff. Like, so, they, like, they have the potential to, yeah. do, to do more. And I think that's the big downside, the biggest negative to the remakes is that because there was already a precedent set, yeah. they don't have to do the hard work. Um, and that's something where uh, I don't mind a remake when you can do things like Texas did with... The small little changes, keeping things, you know, honoring those those things from the past and keeping it. But, like, uh, things for, like, uh, the Nightmare on Elm Street remake. You and me are both, we like it. It's not the best, but we like it. Yeah, there's other you things know? about it that I like, but I also, there's things in it that I wish they explored more. Yeah. Like, the micro-nap idea was a really cool idea. 100%. Yeah. I really feel like they could have picked that up and run with it and done something different, but instead they were trying to do the fan service. And that's where things get sticky. Yeah. Is when you're fan servicey and it sucks. And and when they're showing so many of those iconic scenes of like the But they do them worse. Exactly. And that's the problem. This movie did not. They did things like um for instance in the opening scene where the it's the, the police video the camera thing, you can hear the light bulbs. Yeah, the flash bulbs go the off. The flash bulbs mm-hmm. popping on and off, and that's... We are the savages! No. Sorry, I can't help it. Yeah, no, <laughs> but they, they did the uh, the flash bulbs, and they were the same flash bulb sound effects that were used for the taking of the original opening where they're taking the crime scene photos of uh, at the cemetery. But that stuff is you know? fine. It's no. when you're remaking an entire scene, like... Nancy in the bathtub or something. That's that's egregious. Yeah. You don't have to do that. I mean, and that and that's the stuff where it's like, like on one hand, a lot of the fans are expecting that because it's like, oh well, it's it. You know, I want to see this if I'm going to hear. I'm, I'm, but at the Those same, same time, fans piss and moan about it when they watch it. Exactly, and that's the problem where it's like you could either take it for what it is, and you can have your feelings about it. Everyone can, but that's the thing is. It's there. They try to do something. But for me, when you do a remake, you got to throw me something a, you know, a little Put different. So that way I'm not watching the same movie just with better production. Mm. 
you know, or or a more CGI note. Friday the Thirteenth, same thing. Like it, they took one and two, smashed them together right at the beginning, and then they gave you an entirely new movie with a brand new quote unquote Jason that was probably one of my all time favorite Jasons, and that's probably controversial because I know. All the Kane Hodder nuts. Nah, Derek Mears was the shit. Derek dude. Mears is fucking amazing. Yeah, and the hap- Kane Hodder was in the worst of the series. No, but that's what I'm saying. It's like, but but the Derek Mears one where it's like he's he's a thinking Jason where he's a hunter and he can like that is more terrifying than just having a lumbering you know a uh, uh, tank just coming at you. Like I want, but like I, I love that Jason where he's just a thinking processing, yeah. and, and that's. And- that, Again, it's a brand new movie that we never that we didn't get. So it's not a remake; it's just a retelling, and that's something that's which is super fantastic. So that wraps up the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Hundred percent. Join us next week as we get into another controversial pick, probably even more controversial. No, 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 not probably. This is it's definitely more controversial than this one. We mentioned it earlier. We're going to do Rob Zombie's Halloween. Yeah. Now, um, are you going to say controversial for for us? Or no, just in, in the no, grand no, scheme no. of... In the grand scheme of horror fans. Oh, okay, okay, okay. This one... This one gets some nasty arguments and comments uh, on the interwebs. And um, so just stick with us while we talk <laughs> about this one. And before, but anyway, if you subscribe, that'll drop in your favorite podcatcher uh, next Tuesday. Um, like, share, comment, any and all five-star reviews on iTunes are greatly appreciated because algorithms. Uh, join us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Slasher at Creepin' It Real, R-E-E-L as a movie reel. Once again, we do need movie ideas for our Dumpster Fire month in November. So shoot us an email at creepinitreal.cm at gmail.com or any of the social medias. You can DM us in any single one of those. Yep. I'll, I'll pretty much chat with you all day long. And ask, <laughs> and uh, just talk to us about uh, what movies you dislike or just, you know, in general because Craig likes talking to people. Yeah. You can also get our merch at creepinitreal.redbubble.com. Just a reminder, I know it's September, but uh, Christmas is coming. Yep. So, jump on those Redbubble sales. Um, you can either do uh, creepinitreal.redbubble.com or you can hit the link in the Instagram bio, which will take you directly right. to the page. And uh, to, to give myself a little bit of a promotion here, I have now dropped the Because Jaws uh, <laughs> shirt. And I'm actually getting it uh, kind of linked up through... Uh, Universal, so that way I could actually sell the thing. Right, right, because the first attempt did not go well. NBC yeah, well, was not happy. Well, yeah, like NBC, like basically just took it down like immediately because it had. It the went word. up that day, and a couple hours later, no, nope, yeah, we get the email. Like Sorry, they, they are on their game. Yeah. Like so, but that was the thing is like I, I I get it, and so I'm going through their their whole uh, process to make sure I can get it set up. But it is going to be there, it should be uh, ready to go. Um, and also, I mean, we got a whole bunch of stuff, but uh, because. You know, Black Friday's coming and Christmas is around the corner. It's like, go on. You can get the app and you get like 20% off. But then also, if you have the app and you get signed up, they send you discounts for all types of stuff like throughout the year. I mean, it's... Now, I'm, yeah, not, one, so. I'm not one to discount our work. However, if you, it makes you buy a t-shirt, then buy a t-shirt. Yeah. So, with that, that's the end. 
<laughs> We've covered the Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake. <laughs> We're rounding third, about to slide into home plate for our remake month. Boy, I hope we haven't pissed too many people off. <laughs> we are happier with us. Yep, as always, uh, I've been Meg. I have been the good buddy lunchbox. And, um, are you hungry? Because I'm hungry. Yeah, let's go get barbecue.